So over the last eight weeks or something like that, we have been dealing with a bunch of different stuff. A couple of weeks back, a few weeks back, we were dealing with a thing called sacrifice and learning that sacrifice is a duty of ours as a believer, that it is a lifestyle that we should live, not something that we painfully exist in, but something that we desire to do. We live our lives as a living sacrifice. And then over the last four weeks, we've been dealing about the kingdom of God dealing that it's not, it's not a, a place, it's a way to live. It's, it's a way that we should exist. We should exist with the kingdom of God, not, not just around us, but in us. That everywhere we go, we are carriers of the kingdom of God. But as I was getting ready for this week, and, and you know, sometimes I'm studying and I'm like, hey, God, is it a series or is it just a one hit? Like, what do you want me to do? And, and God just says, Brian, I need you to deal with them about their position for victory. Their position for for victory. And, and sometimes we get lost in this because we think that victory is just a win, but victory is a lifestyle. Yeah. Ah, here's the truth of it. Victory is not in what you do, it's what you say. Because right. out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It doesn't say out of the abundance of the heart, the hands work. It doesn't say out of the abundance of the heart, the feet move. It says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So victory is actually a declaration more than it is an action. How many of you understand that the biggest battlefield that you fight is what you do upstairs, not what you do with your hands and with your feet? We can go out and do work, but to get my mind in the position that I can be victorious can be a difficult place to get to sometimes because we are weighed down with the existence of life. We are weighed down. Some of us right now are still weighed down with the fact that Pastor Ben and Pastor Katie are leaving. And what are we going to do? We're going to live in victory. And they're going to live in victory. Because that's what God assigned us to work in. That's what God assigned us to do. He didn't say walk around and whimper and whine and I don't know what I'm going to do. No, he said square your shoulders back, lift up your head, O ye gates, and march forward because you've got victory. Here's the great part. The only reason that we, and this is not even in my notes. I'm just going off right now. The only reason that we put our heads down and act like everything's broken is because we have forgotten who's behind us and who's in front of us. We walk around going, oh, I don't know how I'm going to make it. See, the only time you think you're not going to make it is when you forget that God's got you through the whole thing. As a pastor, my wife and I desire for each of you to succeed, not only in this life, but in the kingdom of God, in God's ways of doing things. We desire for each of you to have victories, not just once a month, not just once a quarter, but every single day of your life. We desire for you to win. No, we don't desire to win more than you win. We desire you to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or think. We want to see you have new homes and have new cars and, and be blessed and be able to do the things you want to do. But more importantly, we want to see you walk in the things of God, declare the things of God, see the things of God. We want to see signs, miracles, and wonders in you and your household. This is not just a, oh, it's cute, he's up there preaching. No, we desire these things for you. Even more importantly, we desire that your relationship with him, not the church, will grow beyond anything you could think possible. This is my prayer as your pastor every week. When I go into prayer on a Tuesday, when I spend time with the Lord on a Tuesday morning, my prayer is, God, do a work in the church. So let them see a greater view of you. Let them grab a hold of all that you have for them. Father, help them to see that you have a plan that's bigger than their own. But if that's what I want, what do you think God wants? If I, as your pastor, am praying these prayers, what do you think the God in heaven, the creator of the universe, the one who took everything and flung it into nothing, what do you think he wants for you? 
There's a scripture in the Bible that says, if your earthly father desires to bestow blessings upon you, how much more does your heavenly father? But here's what we do. We tend to move in victory in the things that we can see rather than things we can't see. And what that means is that we are lacking faith. And if we are lacking faith, then we do not trust the God we say we serve. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. If God has a desire for you to live a victorious life, if God has a desire for you never to break, if God has a desire for you never to hurt, then why do we? Because the only reason we step into that region, the only reason we step into that vein is because we have somehow stepped away from the life that God promised us. If death takes over and we die, did we really die or did we come to life? See, here's that, that strenuous space because what we do is we live in a culture of loss, not a culture of life. Think about it. Just sit down in, the, in your living room for a whole week and watch the news. The, everything that we talk about is loss. It's losing. It's losing. It's losing. It's losing. Because the culture has figured out if I can keep them in a space of loss, I can control them. Do you think that's the assignment of the enemy? Do you think the enemy, do you think the enemy is waking up going, man, if I could just get them to think they lost? Ooh. Because here's the thing. If you think you're lost, you won't find the one who can lead you out. Ah. You'll sit and complain and whine and bellyache and, oh, woe is me, instead of saying, hey, God, that's stupid. That's ignorance. I'm not living that. I'm living a victorious life. And people look at you and go, but you don't have a nice car and you don't have a nice house. All that is futile. I can't take that to heaven. But what I do have is breath in my body. What I do have is a new lease on life. What I do have is joy in my spirit. What I do have is peace that passes all understanding. And it guards and keeps my heart and mind. What I do have is a family that pursues the things of God. For we declare in our house, as for me in my house, we'll serve the Lord. What I do have is the promise of God, not the provision of man. Before we get into a victorious life, I need you to define what that is. Can I say this to you? And, and, and ladies, I'm not trying to offend you. Dream boards annoy me. But ask my wife, she'll tell you. Because I feel like sometimes we put so much emphasis on what is to come that we forget what God's doing right now. We have so much emphasis of where we want. I want to be there, but what will you do now? What will you say now? What will you communicate now? What will you live now? What will your hands touch now? Well, when I, when I get to that place, I'm going to put my hand to the plow. Do you understand how much land you missed on the way? Do you realize how much harvest you missed on the way? Well, one day, one day, one day. What if your one day doesn't come, Jack? We, we put this thing. It's like this. It's the other piece I hate. I don't like five-year goals. Listen, this is different for a lot of different people. People who have great health. And, have li- and, and, and just really, they, but they, do, they love five-year goals. People who've been given three years to live and had heart issues don't have five-year goals. We have daily goals. The fact that I'm awake this morning and breathing, baby, I'm going to take advantage of every second I got now. But isn't that what God told us to do? Because didn't he say tomorrow is not promised to you? Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough worries for itself. What are you going to do today? But, 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 Pastor, I, I got to have goals. There's nothing wrong with having goals, but don't go get so lost in your goals that you forget to live in the present. Forget to enjoy the present. 
I've got four kids. They're growing rapidly. Any parents want to join the club? Like one day they're three and the next day they're 13. What happened? Where did 13 years go? What in the world? There's a little attitude that comes with age. Oh, come on, work with me for a second. You used to say yes, sir. Now you're like, I get it. I did it too. Amen. I did it too. But, but things change, and I look back, and I go, I, I look at my son, and I go, my God, he's three years away from wanting to drive. Ah. Ah. I can't even get the kid to clean his room right now, and I want to drive a car. Oh, God, help me, Jesus. And then my wife goes, you're going to let him use your car. Oh, no. She's like, no, no, mm-mm. He's learning on the minivan. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And why, why would you give him a minivan? I had to learn on a minivan. He's going to learn on a minivan. It builds character. Amen. I'm going to strengthen his manhood. Go to pick up your friends. What you driving? Mom's minivan. Yeah, boy, go ahead. That's what I'm talking about. Dad, can I take the Jeep when you get a job and it pays really good? Amen, amen, amen. The truth of the matter is things change. Things happen. But we have daily have to carry the idea of living victorious. Victorious is not just something we do. It's something we believe. It's something we declare. But I want to help you to discover this victorious life. Because God has called you to live victorious, but that victory only comes in him. This victory that I'm talking today about is not one you can get on your own. How many of y'all try to get victories on your own? How many of y'all try? How did it work for you? Amen. Where you at on it? Amen. I tried so hard. It's just not working. Because you're trying to put your power on something God controls. Mm. Why, can you, why do you want to try to control something that God wrote the book on? I would much rather put my life in his hands and go, God, I'm going to be victorious in you. I'm just going to rest in you. You wrote the book. You wrote the finish of it. I might as well enjoy the ride in the process. If you were victorious in your own right, you wouldn't even be in this room today. If you were victorious in your own right, you wouldn't be looking and, and, and attending to and pursuing a Savior in your life that has amazing promises for you. You wouldn't even worship in the midst of worshipers. You'd be like, no, I'm good. I don't need to lift my hands. I don't need to sing the songs. I'm good. I came in here good. I'm going to leave here good. Because look at me. Look how great I am. I'm always reminded of that. Some of y'all might have seen this. This movie called Coach Carter. And, and, And I just love this one scene. He walks into the basketball court after the team is sitting there running their mouths about how great they are. Well, I I scored this many points, and I I scored this many points, and I scored this many points. And Coach Carter walks in, he puts his shoe up, and he ties his lace. And he goes, I tied that shoe. And all the team's going, is he an idiot? Look look at that boat. Boy, you ain't seen a better boat than that. I tied that shoe. The truth of the matter is somebody had to teach him to tie that shoe. There's nothing you do in this life that someone didn't instill something on the inside of you to do it. When Jesus said, greater things shall you do, there had to be an installation of how good the kingdom of God was in their lives for them to be able to go forward and do. Because if they didn't have that, what were they going to go do? So you have to understand there is nothing in this life that you do on your own. It always comes with an education or an impartation or an installation of greater things. But if all that was in you, trust me, You probably wouldn't live in Slidell. You'd probably have some big old mansion somewhere, have all the things you want. But unfortunately, culture has told us in order to be victorious, it requires things, not life. How many of you truly have at one point believed that the more success you had was determined about the size of the house you lived in? 
Or if you were truly successful, you wouldn't be driving the minivan. You'd have that nice import. But what you do when you wreck the import and the house burns down? <laughs> what do you do when it all shifts? Are you still victorious or did you just get defeated? See, this victorious living doesn't come in earthly things. It comes in the relationship that I have with God and understanding that even to die is to gain. To understand that life is not found here, it is found in him, and in him I have my greatest victory. But I believe this morning I'm in a room with a bunch of people who are walking in and believing for victories in Christ. You're sick and tired of just existing. You're tired of struggle and ready for something greater. You're ready for victory. But in order for me to help you get there, I need to give you the definition of the word victory. The word victory is defined as this, a success attained in a contest or struggle or over an opponent, obstacle, or problem. Just stop right there for a second. Victories don't come without battles. Mm -mm. I love it when people come into ministry because they were handed a church and they're like, this has been the easiest thing ever. You haven't won yet, Jack. Because until you've had a service where one Sunday you have 95 and the next week you have five, you don't know what struggle is. You don't know what it is. I, I, I love when people say, I, you know, everything's been great for me my entire life. Or, or people say this, me and my wife, we never argue. <laughs> Bro, I'm going to go ahead and counsel, some, put some space in for counseling because we're going to need it somewhere, right? Right in the middle of that thing. What do you mean, Pastor? No, that, my wife and I disagree, amen? She, some days she loves me and some days she likes me. And it goes both ways. Amen. Sometimes I'm like, I'm going to go to work. We'll talk later. I love you. I love you. I really do. No, no, really, I love you. Okay. No, like we, we, have these, we have these moments. And to say that we don't would be a lie. To say that we don't go through moments would be a lie. But here's the truth of my life with my wife. Every day I'm finishing in victory with her. Every day I'm crossing the finish line with her. I'm not crossing without her. I don't care what we go through, but we're going to finish this thing together. Because here's the thing. It doesn't matter what she does or I do to her. We're committed to living in victory with each other because God is the king of our marriage. Amen. See, I don't have a great marriage without God. I don't have a Tiffany without God. Do you understand that? I don't have a Judah, Hope, Love, and Asher, not only without Tiffany, but without God. But so many times we tell everybody that what we have is because of what we did. You did nothing. God did everything. That's how you find victory. When you, when you are rest assured and fall into the space of understanding that everything comes from the Father up above and you did nothing to get it. It was God's love for you to bestow it upon you, to grace you with it. I have a beautiful wife because God loves me. Huh. Not because I did anything cool. Trust me, I did nothing cool. There's no cool stories about me impressing her. She liked my shoes, for God's sake. That's all she liked. It took her a while to get to the face and finally be okay. We started with the shoes. Sometimes God works backwards. It's okay. I'm good. Because when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, yes, sir. God, I thank you that you didn't wait till I died to bestow the blessing upon me. I thank you. Some, we, we joke about this as pastors. As pastors, God sees our, our sacrifice, and so he gives us hot wives on earth. <laughs> it's kind of like an attaboy. Good job. Hey, way to give it up. Okay, cool. So, like, like, come on, just work with me for a second. When was the last time you woke up and you breathed with, God, thank you? When was the last time you saw that car that you know you want to trade in right now? 
and look at it and go, thank you. When was the last time you looked at your spouse and went, I thank God for you? When was the last time you looked at your children and went, I thank God for you? See, when you start thinking, living in this space of, of gratitude and, 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 and gratefulness, man, it's amazing how the victory takes over. How, how all of a sudden, things begin to shift how you see things. A success attained in a contest or struggle or over an opponent, obstacle or problem. You don't have a bad house. You just don't have the victorious house yet. You don't have a bad car. You just don't have the victorious car yet. You don't have a bad job. You just haven't gotten your victory on the job yet. Let me help you out with something. My wife loves to throw this one at me all the time, and then I throw it back at her, and she makes stank face at me. She says this to me. She goes, if you complain, you remain. How many of y'all have complained so much that you have now concreted your feet into the existence that you live in and wonder why nothing is moving forward? Because if you complain about where you are, you will not take the steps forward to find the victor victory that God has for you. You will just sit and go, I don't have it, I don't have it, I don't have it. Shut up. Move out of that space and march forward and let God show you his greatest plan for your life. I don't, I don't like what I have. Shh, you could be dead. But God loves you enough to put breath in your body, wake you up this morning. Why? So you could go look cute in church on a Sunday morning? No, so that you could give him glory, so that you give him honor, so that you give him praise, and you could tell the world that he still lives and he still desires to dwell in the hearts of men and women and that their lives too can be radically changed. Did you think this was just for you? Here, give you a quick sidebar. If you think you were brought into this earth so you could look cute here, you have missed it. You were brought into this earth so you could do greater things because you're his chosen vessels. You've been appointed for such a time as this. Wake up and take your place. Choose to be accountable for what God's handed you and go out and tell the world. But Pastor, I want to be victorious. Then act like it. Because my God, I wish more believers would act like they got a victory. Because, man, I hear all the story. I get so tired of hearing believers about how bad their life is. Shut up. I could take you to a country and show you what bad is. I could take you other places and show you how bad life really is. You still got, oh, Jesus, I got to be careful. Got to be careful. Got to be careful. People call me, Pastor, can you help out? How am I going to help you out when just three days ago you posted on Facebook, you having the greatest life ever? Hazard, can you help me pay my bills? I'd love to help you pay your bills. Can you cut off your internet? Can you cut off your cell phone? Can you get your finances in order? See, you want me to pick up and give you a victory. You don't want to go get a victory. <sighs> can I just say this is another sidebar? This is going to hurt a little bit. Just kind of buckle up your seatbelt. We live in a culture today where work is not the priority. We want to free me. We want a handout. Put it in my hand. Put it in my hand. I don't want to do nothing for it. I just want it. Let me help you out with something. The Bible says a man who doesn't work doesn't eat. So those of you in the room that don't want to work, guess what? You're going to be really hungry. Don't call me. Pastor, can you get me food? No. I got five people to feed, and trust me, they eat enough. Amen. I'm just trying to eat. Amen. All right, okay. So the truth be told, at the end of the day, you got to go get a victory, but you need to understand that struggle creates victory. Somebody always said this years ago. They said, your greatest victory is always before your right in the middle of your biggest struggle, right before your greatest breakthrough. How many of y'all like struggle? Watch this, watch this, watch, watch, watch. I'm working on your theology this morning. How many of y'all like struggle? I got one. I got two. You like struggle. Great. Watch this. I'm really going to offend you. Here it comes. If you don't like struggle, you must not like victories. So I'm going to try this one more time so we can get us all on the same page. How many of y'all now like struggles? Some of y'all are still going, eh, I'm not quite sure. 
Pastor, I know you say it. It sounds cute, but I don't know if I want to sign up for that one because the moment I say I like struggles, I'm going to walk into one out there. But here's the truth of it. A struggle only comes if you see it as a struggle rather than a lead into or a stepping stone to your greatest victories. Today, I want you to get your victory. But how? Here we go. Well, how? What if I told you that victory is not in how hard you fight, but in the stance or position you take in every situation? I'm going to give you some scriptures this morning. Don't feel like you got to turn here. You can go back and listen to it later. Write it down. You can go back and read it for yourself. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 9 out of the New Living Translation says it this way. They said, whenever we are faced with any calamity such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple. Where your name is honored, we can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. What's the word that I want you to look at right there? Stand. He says, they said, whenever we are faced with any calamity such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand. Can I just say this to you? Through the pandemic, the hardest thing for me to do was to close the doors of the church. Why? Because it stopped us from standing. Let me prove it to you because I know people that attend did not watch it online. Do you know that the church took a dip during the pandemic? And more, a lot of people don't want to come back. Now, I understand there's some of people that are just still want to make sure that things are right, and I'm good with that. But there are people who have signed up to say it's going to keep me out of standing. What does it say there? I think it said famine, plague, and war. I didn't write this. God wrote it just so we're on the same page. Famine, which is happening in Texas, plague, COVID, and wars. He says we can come stand in the presence of God and cry out to him to save us. And it says what? He'll hear us and rescue us. Why is it we will not come to the temple anymore? We won't even stand. We got to fight it out. We got to fight it out. We got to. No, you don't. You got to stand. You got to be counted. You got to show up. Read the story of David and Goliath. God gave David the assignment of what was to happen. He said, David, show up to battle. I'll do the rest. How, would, how do you know that, Pastor? How do you know? David had to sling a stone. But God told David before the end of the day he would deliver the head of the Philistine into David's hands. God already declared the outcome before David ever showed up to the battle. God's already declared your outcome before you ever show up to battle. The problem is we don't want to show up to the battle because we don't like struggles. We don't like strife. We don't like, we don't like issues. And so we go, no, I don't want to do that. Then you don't want a victory. You don't want to get in the game, and you go, but God, give me the ring. Can I help you something? There's a difference between the guy that plays in the NFL that plays first string and played in the Super Bowl and the guy that sat as the third stringer on the bench and got a ring. He goes around, look at my ring. They all go, but you didn't earn it. But I was a part of the team. But you didn't struggle to get in there and play. You were okay with being third string. You didn't fight for first string. That's the difference between people who stand on the sideline with a helmet in hand going, Coach, I know I don't play defense, but can I get in? Coach, I know I don't play I don't play special teams, but can I get in? No, you're an offensive lineman. I don't care, Coach. I just want to get in. Why? Because I want my team to win. I got a passion to see my team win. I've watched people get a knee, knee next to the coach, and as the coach moves, they move. Why? Because they're just waiting. I'm just waiting. Why, why do you want to get? I just want to get in the game. Why do you want to get in the game? Because I want to win. Why do you want to win? Because I know there's a victory on the other side of that sucker. Y'all ever watch football? I'm a big football guy. If you haven't found that out yet, amen. Um, I, I love it when, when, when a coach, when you get an injured player, and the coach has to look back at the, at the bleachers, at the, at the seats on the back, and look for the guy that's coming in second. Hey! <laughs> oh, 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 me? 
That's not a person who wants to see a win. That's a person who just wants to be on a team. There's a difference in how we exist. He says, stand in your presence in this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. He says he'll do it. I love what the message version says. It says, when worst things happen, when, I'm sorry, when the worst happens, whether war or flood or disease or famine, and we watch. Take our place before this temple. When we take our place before this temple and pray out our pain and trouble. We complain about our pain and trouble. <laughs> you just don't know. Neither do you. Because if I have to know, then God doesn't know yet because you ain't cried out to him yet. Temple and pray out our pain and trouble. We know that you will listen and give us victory. We know. We don't hope. We don't want. We know. How many of y'all this morning when you got up and you went outside to your car, you expected it to turn on? Amen? Some of y'all are like, no, I prayed that sucker on. Okay, great, whatever. <laughs> Jesus. Well, there it is. Thank you, Lord. Okay. <laughs> We've all been there at some point of our lives. Okay. Uh, uh, but you got up this morning, you got dressed, you got ready for church with the full understanding that when you go out to start your car, your car is going to do what? Start. But you had to have something to start that car. You didn't walk out and go, start car. Now, you might have a cool key fob where you can start it from the inside of your house to make your car all warm and you got that cozy space, which I have, amen. My wife doesn't, but I do, amen. That's why she calls it her Jeep and not mine. Okay, um, uh, 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 we have all these things, but, but you still have to put the key in the ignition to make the car drive. You still have to have the pieces in play. God's given you the keys, but you got to put them in the ignition. God's given you the things to give you victory, but you got to apply them. You can't just walk out and go, well, I went to church on Sunday. I got the victory. No, that's not the way it works because Satan goes to church too. Truth of the matter is, is that when you apply it, then you start to see that you have the victory, that you're putting in the work to have the victory. When worse happens, whether war or flood or disease or famine, and we take our place. This is the problem in the church today. We are attenders, but no place takers. We're a tender. We're, I go to church. How many of y'all have ever heard that? I go to church. What does that mean? Great. You get up in the morning. You probably complained halfway there because you didn't want to get up. You hit snooze 16 times. You complained all the way to the shower. You complained, well, yeah, I don't know why I'm doing this. I just want to go to bed. I don't know why I'm up. I don't even know why I'm up. I, I just want to go back to bed. And I'm not, I don't want to deal with this today, but I'm going to go anyway because, you know, that's what good Christians do. I'm going to go to church. Oh, wait, let me grab my Bible. I didn't crack it all week. <laughs> let me present myself a certain way. So that no one sees who I really am. As if God doesn't see us. And then we go in. How great are you God seeing with me? How great. And we're just trying to convince ourselves that we actually believe it. Instead of walking up into the house of God going, I got the victory. Ah, I got the victory. Getting excited that you got the victory. The fact that you made it from your house to the church without any problems, you got the victory. And even if you came with a struggle, and even if all hell broke loose for you to get here, do you understand that that is just the fight before the victory? You woke up in pain this morning. You should be up there jumping. Woo! Why? Because the enemy wants you to take a hold of the pain rather than the victory that's coming. Okay, real, real quick, real quick. I have four degenerated discs in my spine. They're touching. They're touching. They're grinding. 
against each other. For years, I had such severe back pains that it would, it would put me in an incapacitated mode for days, even weeks at a time. I would just, everything would seize up. I remember when we first got married, my wife was gone. I went to go grab a, a bag of sand or a bag of, what do you call it, potting soil. And I picked up, my back locked up. I fell into the bushes, laid there for two and a half hours, drug myself into the house with my elbows because I couldn't get up off the floor. When she walked in the floor, I'm laying on my back going, all this pain. I remember I got to a point where the pain was so severe, I called her one day. Here it comes. You're about to see the carnality of your pastor. I called her one day, and I said, I need you to pray. She said, why? I said, because the thoughts that I'm having in my mind right now about this pain are so ungodly. She said, what do you mean? Think about it for five seconds. I'm not going to live till I'm 60 like this. You want to go there? My life was wanting to end more than it was wanting to live. And I said, I need you to pray. Then all of a sudden, God started saying, he told me, he said, stop asking everybody to pray, and I need you to start declaring. You're declaring that you're in pain, but you're not declaring the victory that you have in me. I'm the one who made you. I'm the one that can heal you. Can you just start getting up in the morning declaring that you're free from that pain? So every morning I get up, Father, I don't know what that is, but I thank you. I thank you. It's now been what? When was the last time I had a, a moment? It's been years. The doctor still says they're there, but God is bigger than the boogeyman. Any doctor's prognosis, anything that, come on, is God bigger than the cancer? Is God bigger than lung disease? Is God, what is he bigger than? And then when you, when you start declaring how big he is, you start walking victoriously. You start squaring your shoulders back. Go ahead and bring your best because I got a God that's bigger than you. I haven't had one problem since. Why? Because I wake up in the morning. This is the first, I did this morning, I got out of bed. I learned things over the years. You don't just jump out of bed. You got to roll out to the side, put your feet down, and sit for a second. Let your hip kind of balance out. I'm getting older. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and so, and so, so I'm sitting there, and I just sat there, and I said, hey, God, I thank you that my back's not going to hurt today. I thank you I got victory in you. I thank you that, God, this is not the plan for my body to be in pain because you made me. So I'm going to get up, and I'm going to get up with no pain. Whoop, there it. And there's times where I'll take a turn. I'll go, ooh, there it is. And then I have to make a decision. Whatever proceeds out of your mouth in the next 60 seconds will determine what victory you walk in. So instead of going, oh, God, I'm going to fall apart. Uh-uh. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. No, no, no. I'm good. God, you got this. You made it. You fix it. And now I'm walking straight. This is what I'm trying to show you is you can die in your stuff or you can have victory in him. Kate, 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 watch. So this story that I'm talking about in 2 Chronicles, King Jehoshaphat is facing war. He's surrounded on every side. And just for context purpose, let me read you verse 3 through 7. It says here, it says, Jehoshaphat was terrified by the news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah in Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. And he did what? He prayed. He prayed, and he said this. He said, oh, Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler over all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. Oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in the land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Did you notice that Jehoshaphat did not complain one time? He declared the power and the might of God in the midst of a great calamity, in the midst of a great struggle. But yet what we'll do when we get into our moments is get on Facebook and tell the world how poopy our lives are. Uh, 
somebody love me. Somebody stroke my ego. Oh, somebody tell me they understand where I am. And God's in heaven going, really? <sighs> I thought I was enough. In fact, Brian, I thought I was more than enough. But obviously, we got work to do. How many of y'all would like the wars to stop raging? <laughs> then stop creating them. Start living in victory. Stop creating pandemics and epidemics and struggles and strife and frustration and aggravation. Start creating a space of victory. Victory is not when you look good. Victory is when you and your enemy come out together. It says that Jehoshaphat stood and prayed. He did not beg. He did not speak death. He stood and declared God in the midst. And not only did he declare what God would do, but he also declared what God had already done. He said, I'm, the, I'm serving a God that's already done this once before. He can do it twice. And if you ever wonder if God's ever dealt with your problem before, read your Bible. <laughs> Trust me, he's dealt with your stuff before. This is nothing new to him. He took a stand. Jehoshaphat took a stand and stood on the faithfulness of God. And when I was praying this week and getting ready for this sermon, I need you to understand that sometimes I get weak and weary. No, not Pastor Brian. He wakes every morning up and like, I am the righteousness of God. <laughs> when I wake in the morning, I, say, ah, I elevate and float off of my bed. God places me on my feet. The angel of the Lord lift me up and carry me ever so gently into the bathroom. Hand me my toothbrush, put the toothpaste on it, put it in my mouth, and I just stand there in the glory of the Lord. <laughs> no. There are moments I wake up with a foot in my head. Because my five-year-old decided in the middle of the night that he was going to come sleep in mom and dad's bed. And I don't know what goes on in his body while he sleeps, but somehow he turns this way. Why am I getting pushed in here? And then he's got this thing where he's just got to rub. And I don't understand how he rubs while he's asleep. And he's rubbing my arm. I'm like, get off of me. <laughs> then the alarm clock goes off at 6 o'clock. The devil's a liar. So I proceed to look at Ashley and go, I hope you got a good night's sleep because I didn't, Jack. And he's looking at me going, <laughs> look at my wife. Did you sleep good? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Dolly. Storm off into the bathroom, put my own toothbrush in my own mouth, scrub my own teeth. God, can you do something here? Come on, I get weary. Could you give me a win somewhere? And God goes, you do. You're up. Instead of looking at the fact that you didn't sleep, look at the blessing I put in that bed next to you. One that will carry on your namesake and declare the kingdom of God the same way you will do till you breathe your last. Look at what I've blessed you with. God, I'm sorry for complaining about the toe in my nose. I apologize. <laughs> my bad. I'm sorry. You're just going to help strengthen me through this. There, there are times I feel worn out. There are times I, I, I'm searching where the victory is. I can be consumed by the battle. Can, 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 I just, can we just be honest for a second? When, Pat, when Ben came to, Pastor Ben came and talked to me about this, trust me, I had to find a victory. Because I wanted to convince him to stay. I wanted to push him to stay. I wanted to beg him to stay. And God goes, so you don't trust me? Because if you need him, then you don't need me. I'm moving. Shh, be quiet and let me do. But God, Brian, shut up. Can, can I just sidebar real quick? 
Understand that if you ever but God, every praise you delivered before that but has been put in vain. Be careful that you don't but God. But, but God, but God. God says, okay, go back to the drawing board because all that praise you gave me ahead of time means nothing because you haven't gotten over your butt yet. Okay, let me give you this quick statement. Victory is not in the fight. It's where you're standing. Your victory is not in your ability to fight, but in the place that you stand when the battle is raging for your life. Let me give it to you so you understand. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 says, Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 says, Be on guard, stand firm in the faith. He said, Fight in the faith? What does he say? Stand firm in the faith. Stand, be counted. Stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. Luke 21, 19 says, By standing firm, you'll win your souls. Hello. I love this one. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 16 says, Now stand here and see the great thing the Lord is about to do. Here's the problem. We're so busy fighting, we can't even see God moving. And the only reason we're fighting is because we haven't come into the understanding that the battle is not ours. The battle is the Lord's. Pastor, what are you saying? You're saying that God's going to fight? Yep, I sure am, but you still got to show up. The greatest victories I have are the ones God won, not the ones Brian won. The greatest triumphs I have in my life is when I finally let go and let God rather than me trying to do something. I, there, can I, oh Jesus, I, there is no Tiffany without me letting go. Because my prayer was this, God, if you choose for me to never be happy with a wife, I trust you. You go, you didn't pray that. I promise you, I laid in the, bed, the floor of my one bedroom apartment and said those words exactly. God, if you choose for me to be single the rest of my life, as long as I have you, I will be complete and whole. Just don't walk out on me. I need you more than anything. Three months later, she walks into my life. That is because I said, God, it's you over everything. My victory doesn't lie in the benefits of, of, of having a wife. My victory lies in the things that you're doing in me. And if I focus on those things, everything else is a plus. He says, now stand here and see the great things the Lord's about to do. Can you stand in the middle of your storm and see the great things God's about to do? Or are you too busy complaining about the bad things you're going through? He said nothing about the fight, only about the stand. Your stance causes, watch, a baseball player to swing better. Okay, you get in a bat, in a batting box, and you put your feet close together. What you gonna do? <laughs> you you can't even like. What are you gonna do? Ooh, that's you're gonna stay on the team long. A golfer, golfer, the same thing. A golfer gets up there and spreads his, typically spreads his feet shoulder width. Some of those guys want to be real powerhouses. They're like, ah, oh, okay, that's your dumb fault. You're not going to last long on 18 holes. Okay. So he spreads his feet as far as his width because he understands there's a goodness in the, a good thing in his stance. A football player understands that you have to have a proper stance on the line to get up off the line. There is all this thing on stance. It's never about the fight. It's about the stance. How, you got to know where to stand in the batter's box for you baseball people. You got to know where to stand depending on the pitcher, depending on what's coming your way. You can adjust, but you adjust your stance. Golf, the same thing. Football, the same thing. Boxing, the same thing. It's all in the stance. Everybody thinks it's in the fight. Well, if I was a better fighter, if I was a better fighter, no, if you could just stand still. You know those guys that, 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 that hit home runs all the time? They're not the fastest. <laughs> They're not the greatest. But when they get in that box, that pitcher's like, oh, dude. Oh, it's going to be a bad. I got to find my best pitch because that dude's just going to crank the ball out because he's confident in his Stance. 
He knows what's coming. He's prepared. He's worked his box. He's not going and doing study film on the pitcher. I'm going to check out every pitch. He has a coach throw him every pitch he can so that he can work on his craft where? In his stance. In his stance. Here's the problem. We want to step outside of our stance and go fight battles. God never called us to fight. God said, be good in your box. Be good when you're ready. I remember a couple years back, I, was, I decided to try to do some cardio work with a boxer. Really bad decision. Because I know boxing is not my uh, forte, uh, but but I, I, he was, you know, he's got the pads up and I got gloves on. He's like one, two, and you da da, and then three da da da, and the uppercuts, and we're doing all this stuff, and he's moving. <laughs> I don't think y'all realize how tough that really is, <laughs> unless you've boxed, because to keep yourself moving and swinging at the same time, your cardiovascular gets worn out really fast. And I'm like, I'm huffing. I'm like. <laughs> I feel, like, I feel like an asthma patient. I'm dying, okay? I, I'm, I'm literally about to stroke out. And he looks at me and he goes, stop. He goes, watch your feet. I said, what do you mean? He goes, you're spending all of your energy trying to find the right footing instead of just planting and moving. He says, you're trying to, you're, you're trying to shuffle too much and you're wearing yourself out on the lower half of your body, which is exhausting the upper half of your body, and therefore you can't move any longer. And so when I ask you to throw a jab or a punch, you can't move that way because your whole body is fatigued. I need you to watch your stance. The moment he adjusted that, dude, it was like a different ballgame. It's the same thing. The Word of God comes to adjust your stance. It does not come to give you the victory. It comes to give you the stance to take in the struggle so that you can get the victory. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I'm God. How many of y'all still need to be persuaded that he's God? No one wants to answer that one. How many times we go, Oh God, if you were God, you'd do this. God, if you love me, you'd do this. God goes, you're not persuaded yet. You're not convinced that I'm God yet. I still have to be your trick pony, do magic for you in order for you to believe. What if God never did another thing for you? Would he still be God? Your victory does not lie in how great your fighting ability is, but in the place you stand during the fight. It goes on in 2 Chronicles with King Jehoshaphat, and he says, Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against the mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. Can I just stop right there for a second? The greatest strengthening moment in your life in a struggle is not you trying to convince the world that you're able to handle the struggle, but you to finally be convinced to yourself that you don't have it to do in your own right. If I could say this to anybody, you would be better off saying what you can't do than what you can do. Because when you tell me what you can do, there's no room for improvement. But when you tell me what you can't do, then there is room to be improved on. (laughs) When we go to God, we tell God everything we can do. But God, I can do this. But what can you not do? What are the areas that God needs to strengthen you in? What are the areas that God needs to help you walk in? What are the areas that you need to be educated and strengthened and empowered in? Why is it that we don't? Because we don't want anybody to think that we're not great. Here's the great part about this, what I understand. I am not great. I never will be great. Here's what I am. I'm good. He's great. I'm good. 
He's great. And prove it to you. It's in Scripture, just in case you were wondering where I got this from. He does not say, enter into the kingdom of the Lord, thou great and faithful servant. He says, thou good and faithful servant. He never called you to be great. He called you to be good. Let him be great. And rest in his greatness. I got, I got so much peace when I found this out that I didn't have to be great. I didn't have to be a great dad. I didn't have to be a great husband. I didn't have to be a great provider. I had to be a good one. You know what good is? Faithful and consistent. Faithful and consistent. I waver. I don't waver. I don't waver. I don't waver. I'm, I'm constant. I'm constant. We're not going to go down. The ship's not going down. But I understand where my source is, and I understand where my strength comes from. My strength comes from the Lord. It doesn't come out of Brian. And when I get weary, who do I go to? I go to the church. I go on Facebook. I go on Instagram. So everybody tell me how great I am. No, I don't. I don't care what anybody thinks. I know what God thinks about me because he made me. So I go to him and say, God, I'm a little weary. I need some strength from you. You know how I get it? Here's how I get my strength. Anybody want it? You ready? Are y'all ready? Because how many of y'all could use some strength? Here it comes. I'm about to upset your apple cart. I'm about to ruin your day. Here it comes. How do I get my strength? The word. Why, why the word? Why can't God just bestow it from the open heavens? He did. He gave us a book. He said, go read the thing. But, but can he just give it to me? Can't, I mean, come on. I go to church every Sunday. Can't he just, he knows my heart. Mm-mm. Not till the word is in your heart. For God is the word and the word, the word was God, is God, always will be God. So if this isn't in you, then how can God be in you? So how do you get strength if the creation of the word doesn't reside on the inside. Well, pastor, I've got some scriptures. That's not the word. That's what you heard in the church and you got good at memorization. I'm talking about the word. When David said, thy word hath I hid in my heart, he was not talking about scriptures. He was talking about the ability to change him and to make him whole now resides on the inside of him. So if there is ever a moment that I am weary and worn out, thy word hath I hid in my heart. Thy strength hath I hid in my heart. Thy power hath I hid in my heart. Thy promise hath I hid in my heart. Thy understanding hath I hid in my heart. Your ways have I placed in my heart. Your promises have I placed in my heart. Your victories have I placed in my heart. God, I might not understand it, but I'm going to consult the word, the instruction manual that causes me to lead and to win in this life. It says in verse 13, as all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children. That's another sermon in itself. Hmm. I can't go there because we'll be here another 45 minutes. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord, all the men of praise stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children. Men, let me, husbands, let me help you with something. Stop trying to be a man that you cannot lead with your family. I am strengthened because of my wife. For the Bible said she is a helpmate. She comes alongside me and strengthens me and encourages me and challenges me and chastises me and frustrates me and aggravates me. But thank God for her because if I didn't have her, I'd die. She keeps me on my toes. She keeps my schedule flowing. Amen. Did you call so-and-so back? Did you text so-and-so back? No, I didn't yet. Why not? I don't know. I just didn't. Well, go do it. Okay, I got it. But whatever it is, I, 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 I understand that space. Listen, I am not a great leader. I've told this to my wife. When she's not here, I struggle. Oh. <laughs> You're trying to earn brownie points. Oh, no, I appreciate that. I, I, I appreciate that. Yes, I was. Thank you, Denise. Um, the truth of it is, is that, ah, this is going to sound really rough. I'm about to say this. I don't need your acceptance of what comes out of my mouth. I want hers. I want to know that I touched her heart. 
If I've touched hers, I'll touch yours. Because she is a part of my heart. Does that make sense what I'm saying to you? When she's not in the room, I, it's hard for me to preach sometimes. I go, look, oh, she's not in the room. Because <laughs> either she's looking at me, smiling, or she's going, hey. You know I love you, baby. Anybody want to offer marital counseling after church? I'm more than willing to accept. Praise the Lord. So listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Oh, let me go back. It says, as all, verse 13, as all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. He said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. When was the last time you heard of thus saith the Lord? <laughs> what does the Lord say? And what is the Lord saying? What is he saying? Because here's the problem. We keep going, God, what are you saying? And God's going, I gave you a book. Come on, seriously. Like, how much more do I have to do? Like, it's in there. Go find out what I said. Do the work. He said, but this is the word of the Lord. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Okay, so when you wake up tomorrow morning, right, just work with me for a second. Some of you in your older age are feeling like me sometimes. You wake up in the morning, you got a little body aches. Amen. Things don't move the way they used to. How many of y'all know we used to be able to get on our knees and get back up real fast? Now it takes a few more seconds. Amen. It's like, mm, that bone doesn't want to go, or you walk in from the bedroom to the kitchen, here, crack, 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 because the bones are trying to figure out what they're doing. Okay, I get it. So we, we, we understand that. But the next time a battle comes, shh, God, this is yours. I'm good. God, this is yours. I'm good. Somebody came to me when, when, when we started to announce to the worship team that Pastor Ben and Pastor Katie were going, Pastor, are you stressed out? No. Why not? Why aren't you, what are we going to do? How are we going to make it? Baby, I've been in this game for 15 years. If I've come this far along in 15 years, I don't think he's planning on quitting on me now. We're good. God's going to do a great thing with Pastor Ben and Pastor Katie. He's going to do a great thing in this house. I'm good. But, 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 shh. Because if the battle's not mine, then the plan for the battle's not mine either. It's his. He writes the plan, I don't. I just get to show up and help it make it come to pass. He says, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. Oh, here it comes. Oh, here it comes. Staying in your bed and complaining about it doesn't change the outcome. He says, tomorrow morning, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions and stand still. Get your stance. And watch and watch the Lord's victory. I, that's a whole other sermon. Is it yours or is it his? Look what I did. Mm-mm. That's God. God, you get all the praise for that one. That's victory is yours. Even if you feel like you made it come to pass, it still belongs to the Lord. Stand still. Watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Listen to me. God has called you to a victorious life. I got to ask you, where are you standing right now? 
Where are you standing? Where are you standing? I, I, I don't want to go into all the details. Well, maybe I will. I, I shared this a little bit last week. Victor and Lucas, the D'Souza family, with Victor's school. Victor came to me and said, Pastor, I want to go to LSU. But there were situations around him that was stopping, creating roadblocks for him to do that. So he started applying. Two colleges come back. We've accepted you. He gets to pick from two colleges. Then Lucas comes to me after church on Sunday last week and goes, Pastor, i got to tell you something else. I said, what? He goes, somebody's helping us financially for Victor to go to school. Hold on. Then I'm here on Thursday night. He comes back to the sound booth. goes, Pastor, I went home and I opened up the mailbox. How much was it in the mailbox? $19,000 for his schooling. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Before we clap, hold on. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why this story freaks me out. Because I remember when Lucas came to me one Sunday standing right here and he said, Pastor, I need you to pray. I'm not sure what to do. I know what we want, but I don't know how it's going to happen. And as the father, he took a lot of weight on himself to provide and fight for to make it happen. This is what I told him. I said, we're going to pray and trust God. Victor, is that not what we said? It's the same conversation you and I had in the hall. We're going to pray and trust God. And I promised him, I said, I'm standing in agreement with you that God's going to work it out. What did we do? We found our stance. Pulled our pants up a little bit. We got on the line. We got into three-point position. Whatever you want to play. We took our position. What did he say? He says, take your position. Stand still. And watch the Lord's victory. I told Lucas this on Thursday night. I said, you know what God's doing right now? He's showing Victor how big he is. But it took a praying mama and a praying daddy to take their stance and trust God. More than they trusted the provision, more than they trusted the hands, more than they trusted the feet. Just to trust in the Lord. And lean not on their own understanding, but in all their ways acknowledge him. And the word says, and he shall direct your path. I'll say this in front of the whole church, Victor. Those, whatever college you choose is God's promise for your life. I know you wanted LSU, but there's a greater promise for you. Because God, when God closes one door, he opens another. And you're about to walk into the greatest promised blessing of your life. As long as God gets all the victory. It is time for us to live as victorious people, not church attenders. We are a victorious people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people who are not yet a people. You want to know why it says that? Because we, at that moment, when that statement was made, they hadn't discovered who they were yet. You know who you are and whose you are. You might as well stand up and be counted. You might as well get your victory today, not wait for it tomorrow. You might as well stand in the promised blessings of God. Stop complaining about your present and start declaring your future. Start looking at what God's done in your past and declare what he's going to do into your tomorrow. When you wake up in the morning and life hands you something else, remember what the Word of God already declared over you. You're the righteousness of God. You're the promise of what He did. You're you're His greatest creation. There is nothing missing, nothing broken in your life. The shalom, the peace of God.
is upon me. I am not a messed up person, although I led a messed up life before him. Even while I said I was pursuing him. But there came a day where I finally realized I don't have to fight anymore. I just get to trust. If there's anything I've learned over my life, and especially over the last 15 years, is your greatest victories come when you just stand and rest. But you have to stand and take your place. Stop waiting for someone to take it for you. Because if someone takes your place, they'll receive your promise. Everybody stand to your feet. Before everybody runs out of here and gets to lunch or whatever you're going to do today, I'm going to go and take a nap. Amen. I've had children running all over my house this week. I'm tired. Amen. How many of you want a victory? Now, if you're not raising your hand, you must like defeat. So I'm going to try this again. How many of you want a victory? Keep that hand up. Come on, keep it up. Man, if you can just go, I want a victory. No, I want a victory. Good. Tomorrow morning when you get up, I want you to do the same thing. God, I want a victory. Tuesday morning when you get up, God, I want a victory. But here's what I need you to understand. Do not ask God to move on behalf of everybody else. When the moment you say, God, I want a victory, he's going to move on you. He's going to challenge you. He's going to change you. He's going to convict you. He's not going to condemn, but he's going to say, okay, you want a victory. I got some things that we got to work on right here. But get ready, because if you're willing to go through the change, the victory is yours, says God. Because what you're saying is, God, I want your ways better than mine. I want your plans better than mine. I want your things better than mine. So, God, I trust in you. Whatever it is, I trust you. I don't know what it is. I don't even understand it, but I'm going to trust you. God, I want a victory. Watch how you pursue your day. Watch how you see things before they show up. You'll see them before they happen. You'll be like, nope, not, that, not getting in this house. Not getting in this house. You can put your hand back down. Somebody like, I'm going to put my hand back up. I want a victory right now. Okay, good. Put your hand back up. That makes you feel better. I was, I was talking to my daughter's friend last night, and uh, this is something, that, a counseling thing that God's given me over the last couple weeks, and I mean, you're going to hear more about it on the 26th, but, I mean, the 16th, but uh, this thing called a circle. And uh, I was telling her, I said, you know, God gives you a life, and I just call it a circle for a second, but you decide what goes in the circle. You pick. Anything that's in that circle that's not of God, you allowed it in. You decide what goes in that. Is that joy in there? Is there peace in there? Is God even in that circle? Or is it just, well, my church attendance, and I'm going to do my good stuff, and then I hope I make it? No, no, no. Anything that is contrary to the word of God has to go. But, Pastor, that's not real. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's the life he gave me. I'm deciding what comes in and affects me. From, from the youngest to the oldest, whether you're single or married, this is your life. Now, I'm going to use this as a case in point. This is my life. I'm just going to be carnal for a second. Let's say that Tiff and I are in a disagreement. And we're frustrated with each other, which, yes, we've gotten there before. But I have to choose whether that is going to affect the outcome of my existence. In my existence, God reigns. So if I bring strife into that existence, then I have to, pro- or have to uh, uh, evict God out of it because God is not an author of confusion and strife. So now I'm at, stuck with a position of choosing what's going to live on the inside of me. So watch this. If God is my victory, 
Tiff and I can be at odds. But when I put her in this circle, we overcome those odds. Why? Because God is the source and the strength and the victory of my life. Until we understand that, victory will always be outside of the tips of our fingers. Your victory doesn't come out of your hard labor or your abilities or your stuff. Victory comes when God gets the credit, the honor, and the authority to reign and rule over your existence. It's going to be hard to call him king if you don't let him be king here. It's going to be hard to walk into heaven and go, that's my king, if he can't be your king here. (laughs) Some of us, we just got to choose to let go and walk into that space called victory. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, for just a moment, I'm going to ask that no one leaves the room for just a moment. If you're in this room this morning and you say, Pastor, I want a victory, but I don't know Jesus. I need to give my heart to him. Or maybe you gave it to him a long time ago, but you went and took it back, took possession of it because you thought you could do it better. You're tired and you're worn out. If that's you in this place, without any reservation. that's you, say, Pastor, that's me. You put both hands up and say, that's me. Come on, you just want to surrender to me. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with this mom. Pastor, you're calling us out. I'm not calling you out. I'm trying to bring strength to your life. The strength that only God can give you. I can't give it to you. Only he can take care of you. Only he can bless you. Only he can bring you those provisions. I want to give my life to God right now. See, right now where you stand, you're waiting for me to lead you. And here's the great part. The moment you lifted your hand, God says, got him. I see him. You don't need me to walk you through something in order for you to acknowledge the moment you existed. But here's what I want you to do. I need you to understand that the moment you lifted your hand, you had to acknowledge the Savior. But here's what I need you to do after this moment. Choose the Savior and walk with Him daily. Struggles will come, but God is still greater than the struggle. Now, there are those of you in this room that need a victory really bad. You have God, but you've been stuck in the battle. If yours has been stuck in the battle, you feel like the battle's been raging, do me a favor, put both hands up, say, ah, I've been in a battle. I can feel it right now. The the peace of God is moving through the room right now. I've been in a battle. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I don't want to tell the world I'm worn out, but I'm tired. I'm weary. I'm heavy laden. And the Bible says, come unto me, all ye that are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Father, for every hand that has been lifted or is lifted right now, I declare the peace of God to manifest over their lives. The peace that passes all understanding to guard and keep their heart and minds which are in you, in Christ Jesus. 
Father, I declare that the joy of the Lord shall become their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. I declare strength over them right now. Father, I declare a silence of the noise of the battle. The battle rages, but the victory is in you. Let them find their victory in you. Say this with me all across this place as we close today from the left to the right to the front to the back. Say this with me. Say, God. Everybody, come on. That was half of you. Let's try it again. Say, God. My victory is in you. Not me. Take my hands and my feet. Use them for your glory. The victory that I desire is in you. I am victorious in Christ.